people go, what should I do in business? You know, and I say, I don't know, whatever you do, be the best at it. Try to be the best in the world. Welcome back to the podcast. It's great to have you here. And one of the greatest joys in my week is that I get to interview great people. We're always on the lookout for people who are kingdom entrepreneurs, doing business first and foremost for the kingdom. And so today you're in for a real treat. Uh, my guest uh, has built a phenomenal business with excellence. Uh, and, and it's a great story because it kind of started out of pure need of something that wasn't available and it has scaled to something significant. So you're in for a real treat. Uh, welcome, Dave, to the podcast. Why don't you tell us straight off, who is Dave Munson? Yeah, hello, hello. Uh, happy to be here. So um, I'm Dave Munson. I own a Saddleback Leather Company. Uh, I am a father and husband. I've got a wonderful, amazing wife named Suzette, uh, which you would probably really like to interview her. And... Um, I've got a daughter who just turned 16 and started driving yesterday. Wow. Uh, I've got a her name is Sella, and then I've got a son named Cross, and he's getting a deep voice. So <laughs> that's who we are. Uh, we live here in Texas, in, uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area of North Texas. And uh, yeah, we've, uh, we really enjoy leather stuff. Yeah. All right, so the Saddleback Leather Company, um, incredible products, by the way. Uh, you know, I, I did a whole bunch of research and looked at the website and the e-store, and it's incredible stuff. Um, so uh, I'm looking forward to finding out more about that. Um, so take us back to the origin of the business. You know, you know, the little bit I know, you were down in Mexico. I think you were wrestling a little bit with the business and the ministry calling, and then you needed a product, so you got one made for yourself. And then one day you're like, this is, this is an opportunity. So uh, take it, fill in all those gaps for us. Like, like what happened and, and how did we get here? Yeah, so uh, I grew up in a Christian home, and in my home was emphasized uh, not having anything. And, and that was kind of a spiritual thing to not have the less you had, the more spiritual you were. And, you know, that was a, um, that was uh, wrong. <laughs> so, um, but um, I was raised that way, went to Bible college. My dad was a pastor. So I went off to Multnomah Bible College up in Oregon um, on the West Coast. And I got a degree in theology uh, thinking, hey, God only wants people to be in, in vocational ministry getting a paycheck from a church. And, uh, and then uh, I was a youth pastor for a long time. And then I burned out. Everyone was mad at me for being irresponsible. And, um, and so I, I became a missionary. I moved down to Mexico to teach English. And um, uh, at a little Christian school, um, I was there for a year and I needed a bag to carry my books. And I thought, huh, well, what would Indiana Jones carry? And so I started looking around for that bag. I thought, oh, man, that that leather bag. And I uh, couldn't find it, but I, I sketched it out to a leather maker, leather worker, and he made it for me. Uh, and everywhere I went with that bag, people were like, man, how can I get one of those bags? Um, so I ended up moving to Juarez, Mexico. It's right across the border from Texas. And it's a really poor area. Slept on the floor with my black lab named Blue. Um, uh, for about three years, no hot water, a little, about a hundred us dollars a month. And, uh, all the money I was saving, I would deposit into the bank of this father and son further South in Mexico. And, uh, they would make the bags, send them up on the, on the bus. I'd go to the bus station and, and then take them over to Texas, to El Paso, Texas. And, uh, I'd sell them on eBay. Um, and that was back 2003 to 2006. And then I, uh, Met my wife on uh, MySpace. I don't know if you have MySpace over there in Australia. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am so glad she found me. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so we met. And about six months later, we uh, we got married. Uh, and then in 2008, we started a factory in Mexico. And, um, and it's been going ever since. So we have this cool leather factory. No one cares about your stuff as much as you do. So... Uh, that's my story, and it, we're we're celebrating the 15 year anniversary in October mm. of the factory. Uh, this is our 20th year in business now, uh, Saddleback Leather. 
So um, I don't want to skip over that wrestle that you would have had, right? You know, um, I think I think from my research in a video, you said you were laying on the floor, staring up at the sky, and 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 it was like a revelation about the fact that these are my words. You know, business and ministry could effectively be the same thing, and and what a great opportunity to minister through having a business. And you know, I people still today, um, people that are in business today, still wrestle with: is this right? Should I? Should I become a pastor? Should I become a vocational, like get a, get a check from a church? What, what would you say to those people? Like, I, I feel like it's still an undertone that is that is wildly incorrect. And I think we've kind of got to expose it to give people some freedom. So somebody who's wrestling with, uh, I love business, but I, I feel pressured to be called to vocational ministry. What would you say to those people? You know, um, I, you know, of course, when you go to a Bible college, uh, everyone feels the same way. Like I'm a first-class Christian and everybody else who's not doing this is, uh, is not. And so you kind of reinforce, you know, little comments here and there. And, um, I went back to speak at my college and, uh, and I told them that, that I felt that way. And so many people said that is exactly mm-hmm. the way that we know it's wrong, but we don't know what's right. Yeah. And, so I saw, um, I saw the uh, this guy in El Paso, uh, Texas. He was uh, discipling me, and he was just a business owner. But the guy was having more impact for the kingdom than my pastor was. And then a, another friend of mine, a spiritual mentor, he said he saw that this uh, spiritual pride that I had of being a first class Christian, looking down my spiritually grandiose yeah. nose at the lesser. Christians, he saw that was a huge problem. And he told me he was looking at maybe starting to build homes with his son. And I thought, what? And abandon the, the ministry? Yeah. The ministry. <laughs> and and so, <laughs> yeah, it was a big mistake that I, um, and, and then I realized that God, from different people teaching me and different things, I, I read that God, uh, that he made us in his image and he, he makes things that the, the work was not part of the fall. It was before the fall. He created yeah. us to work. And when we when we reflect that part of God's image, whether it's administrative or creative or building things or, or um, you know, whatever it is, when we reflect that part of him, uh, creating art, creating beauty, um, teams, whatever, however we reflect that part of God, he gets glory. Yeah. And it took me a while to learn that. And also, uh, you know, I started making a lot of money. I was like, oh, no, I got to hide this. I got to do something. I got to give it away. I got to do something because people will think that, you know, I'm like having mammon for breakfast on my toast. Yeah. And and uh, now I'm serving this materialistic. I'm not spiritual anymore. And so it was my spiritual pride. I wanted to really impress people with how spiritual I was. And I am spiritually minded. Um, and so, but a lot of times we try to impress people with how spiritual we are through fancy prayers. Um, if we pray differently in private than we do in public, um, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so I found myself really full of, uh, spiritual pride, mm. uh, really trying to impress people with my spirituality. And so it was hard to go into business because I wanted to make sure people knew that I wasn't not, I wasn't, I was still spiritual. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a it's a struggle we all have, right? There's a book I want to write one day called Dealing with the Inner Pharisee because I think we all have that. We all have that desire to look incredibly spiritual even if we're not that strong behind closed doors. Um, but the thing is we know how to celebrate, um, say, signs and wonders in the vocational church, right? We know how to celebrate that. We call people for the front forward for at the altar. You know, people get saved, we cheer. People get healed, we cheer. We write about it, we post about it. But the same God is the God of the marketplace. So t- have you got some stories around, you know, signs and wonders follow those who believe? Well, you're in the marketplace. So have you got some testimonies, some miracles that you can pull from that you've experienced by running a kingdom business in the marketplace? Yeah, the biggest miracle of them all is people getting saved. Yeah. And so we've had, uh, God has chosen to use us in being, and let us be involved in what he's doing in Mexico. Um, and also in Rwanda, Africa. 
uh, we've taken our employees there to a, a ministry called African New Life. And um, it's like a child sponsorship program and super financial account, financially accountable, all that stuff. So uh, we've been giving there for a long time and bringing people to visit their kids. Um, so uh, no, but last year we had an event, a team building event with all of our employees in Mexico. And we had uh, about 70 people raise their hands to give their life over, to put their faith in, in, uh, in what Jesus did on the cross. Um, so that was super cool. Yeah. I don't know how many of those were like third and fourth timers. Um, but, but Hey, we'll take it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that that's our place, right? Our place is to create the environment and let the Lord be the Lord in their life. Right. So, so that we, we set up, um, we, we set it up so they feel very loved mm. and then they come up and say, why do you love us so much? And I say, you know, it's funny you ask. It's because God you loves you. God loves you so much. Mm. Um, and then, and so he's using us. He doesn't give people air hugs. He uses people for that. And so, um, and then we brought in an evangelist who did the team building and he eloquently shared uh, the, the great story. Mm. Um, and people believed it. Yeah, it was it was really cool. Yeah, that, that I mean, there's probably no greater miracle, right, than somebody laying down their life. What are some of the things practically that you do to show that love to people? What are some either programs or you know things that you do intentionally to create that? Yeah. So, uh, have you ever heard of Dave Ramsey? Yep. The, the Financial Peace University guy. Uh, we offer that to our employees. Nice. Um, and in Mexico, it's you know, it, they're just week to week. I mean, day to day for money, uh, we pay them well. And the more we pay them, the, they, it doesn't change anything. They, so we offer that to the marriage classes. They've never heard of that before. Um, and through love and respect. And then what we do is we bring in the local churches. We're just a business, right? And so we bring in local churches to pick them off. <laughs> so we we set them up hey we're having a marriage class this church is coming in we, or a parenting class uh we have counseling and so we have a a local counselor who's a believer mm -hmm. and he'll he'll come in and, uh, and do that we also do that in the u.s too um we need to re set up back up the the financial classes and the marriage classes again um but yeah uh that those are we have a school uh we started a homeschool school and so our kids are homeschooled and about, I don't know, 15% of American kids are homeschooled. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it's millions and millions and yeah. millions of kids. So we just set that up and it's a faith-based. And we tell people, hey, we don't care if you're Lutheran or Presbyterian or Catholic or even Baptist. You can come here. We don't care. Uh, we just want you to have a, a better relationship with your creator. Mm -hmm. And if, even if they're Muslim. Um, we just want you to have a better relationship with your creator. And then we share the love of Jesus and what he did. We tell that great story. I mean, it's, it's funny if you, you know, if you offer, if you offer school in Mexico, you get two benefits. You get to grab the kids before society gets them, but you also get to help the parents, right? Because they've got somebody they can trust looking after kids while they go to work. Like it ends up being quite an economical, it, it wouldn't necessarily be your reason, but it ends up being quite a commercial decision. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you know how many of those uh, parents who have their kids in the school uh, ever leave? Yeah. <laughs> like not, yeah. not a single one. Yeah. Um, faith, they're our best people. They're the most faithful um, and they feel loved. And so the kids get the youth, different youth groups from around the city will come in and invite them, the kids to come to a retreat that's going on or some activity the church is having. And of course, then the parents get plugged in into those places too. Hey, I wanted to jump in here during the podcast and let you know about Greenhouse Media. It's one of the service offerings inside the Business Greenhouse suite of services. And it's essentially, we're a full service digital marketing agency. And there's a lot of agencies out there, but there's a couple of things that make us unique. The first thing is, is that I'm only interested in business results. I'm not out there trying to get people more comments, more likes, more shares. I just wanna drive people results that matter. Good quality phone calls, good quality lead forms, ultimately the lead generator that helps you scale your business. The second thing that makes us unique is we're a collaborative team under one roof. 
So whereas in years gone by, you might have one provider for your website, one provider for SEO, one provider for Google, and then if things don't work, they all point the finger, we are all accountable and collaborative to make sure that we together work on achieving the outcomes you want. So we've got hundreds of clients and thousands of campaigns running across Australia and beyond, uh, and Jamie heads up as head of strategy that side of the business. Jamie, why don't you tell us some of the results that we've had with our clients recently? Yeah, we've taken hundreds of businesses across different industries um, through our process. Um, some standouts for me over the last 12 months, we took a plumbing company um, from one location to four locations across three states, um, all through website built by our team, Google Ads and Facebook Ads. Um, we scaled an e-commerce business, we doubled their revenue in the last 12 months and they had their best year yet. Um, we took a mechanic in Sydney from you know, very few leads to over 350 phone calls um, per month um, over six months. Um, we also work with smaller budgets, so we took a, a small carpenter in Sydney um, with only $500 a month and got them a $20,000 job in their first month of ads. So um, a lot of good results, but they're the standouts for me in the last 12 months. Some great stories. You know, ultimately we're marketers, we're not people that just put ads together. There's plenty of those, but we think like marketers to drive actual results. If I've piqued your interest, then click on the link below, head over to our page, uh, and there you'll find a diary. You can book a time that suits you, and Jamie and I will jump on a call with you and ascertain what are the business results you need and can we get them for you. All right, let's get back to the podcast. All right, let's talk about your products for a minute because I watched the videos, I looked online, and they look incredible. I think I said that. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of attention and, and work goes into these handmade products. But I guess in a world of throwaway items, right, which is probably the majority of the high street these days, you've decided to go to the other extreme, right, and, and sell products that are handmade at a premium that last. And, and I'm just keen to know why. You know, it seems to me that if God, that if Jesus got himself had a business that well, like the first thing ever made was leather, right? The clothes for Adam and Eve, some skins. Um, but the, if he had a business, he would do something that lasted a long time. That was high, high quality that brought people joy. And, um, and that was natural. Doesn't see, it seems like we have a, 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 a deception meter in, built into us. We always start trying to distinguish truth from, um, from deception. And so uh, when you get vinyl and these sorts of things that tr people try to make look like leather, um, I don't know, there's something but I don't like about it. Um, no, that's wrong, but I just don't like it. So I, I think that I would imagine God would have maybe a business like I, what I've got. It would be better. <laughs> but um, I do, we try to do really, really good work and, and really high quality. And it, I believe that's pleasing to God. I, he, he designed us to do excellent work and work as if we're doing it for him. Mm -hmm. And if we do, we get rewards. So it seems like a no-brainer to, instead of just try to be average, um, why wouldn't we try to do, be as, do everything as best as we can? Yep. And um, you in, in that, I tell people, people go, what should I do in business? You know? And I say, I don't know, whatever you do, be the best at it. Try to be the best in the world at lawn care. Yeah. I mean, learn the root systems and how deep they go and the best sprinkling and how the water goes to a certain depth and, and learn all about how to trim and hedge the best way and how to, I mean, be the very best, become an expert in your area, finance or yard maintenance or construction or you name it, be excellent at it and God, God's pleased in that. Yeah, yeah. I think we. I think in in er, in all areas of life, it's easy to get tricked into the cheap alternative, right? I mean, that's the strategy of the devil, right? Is to get you to take a cheap alternative of the gospel, right, and trade for it. And we do it with our purchasing. You know, uh, we help businesses all day long, and people say, "I'm in a price-driven market." I'm like, "Well, not everybody has to be." You know, like there is a race to the bottom, right, in nearly every industry right now. 
cars are trying to compete on price, like clothing, you know, it's like somebody does $7 t-shirts and then somebody's got $6.50 t-shirts and then the next shop does it. And you sit there and you go, how can anybody get paid fairly through this, through this supply chain? But, um, but Rolls-Royce don't, Rolls don't do discounts, right? Bentley aren't out there saying 20% off for the month of August, right? Because they don't need to. And so, you know, I think that's an incredible, what, what you've done. I mean, in fact, um, I'm not a huge fan of the, the Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy group and some of their brands, but in terms of like going for the top end of town where the margin is, I mean, it's been an incredibly lucrative business for them to be in. So when everybody else is trying to race you for know, the bottom, they've gone for the top. You know, what I say is um, the people who are, uh, who go high quality, they're, they're hitting in a higher dollar, higher price. Like, you know, like my stuff, people go, why is it so expensive compared to these other guys? I go wrong question. Hmm. Why is there so cheap? Yeah. Mine, mine, here's the price of mine. And here's all my, their pride, their final price is the cost of my raw materials. Yeah. And so the people who are, uh, who have salaried positions, uh, generally they're a little more recession proof than hourly. And so when you're, when you're making really cheap stuff and, and you're trying to compete with China and um, it's brutal, like they, they will go cheaper and cheaper and cheaper than you. So you, so just start at the top yeah, or at least try to go really nice quality. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously more margin in it, but there's obviously, you know, I mean, I think the way that you compete now is you cross all the moral boundaries. You know, like China will cross any moral boundary, right, to to compete on price. So that's tough if you want to go and compete with them. Um, we, we have a brand in Australia. I'm not sure if you've ever come across them, but the brand is called RM Williams, and it would be our leather goods manufacturer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they have great shoes. Yeah. So actually, um, Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy purchased that brand, and one of our wealthy Aussie businessmen bought it back because he's like, you guys are trash in this. You know, it's like it's like a hundred year old brand. It was it was started after the Great Depression from a man that basically lost everything. And he went and made leather goods for our, you know, for our farmers, for our for our drovers and stuff in the outback. And, and I still buy their products now. I love it. But you're paying a massive premium for handmade products. But you walk into any of their stores and they're busy because there is an audience that want, there's always an audience that want well-made, long-lasting quality products. So whereas everybody else is racing down over here, like there's a massive case to be made for somebody who decides to do the opposite and just go find the audience that, that, that are attracted to that, right? You know, not everybody's looking for cheap. <laughs> that, is, that is exactly right. You know, even I was talking to a, a friend of mine who's a famous shoe designer, boot designer, and I said, what's the difference between your five, $600 boots and up to 1600 and these cheap $300 pairs, which to me is like super expensive. And uh, he said their, their materials in their boots are about $25, $35. He said the materials in his are about like $125, $150. They're just the materials. And then in, in retail, everyone doubles their price from the factory and then the store that they're wholesaling to doubles the price again. And so, you know, if it's 75 bucks from the factory, they sell it to the store for 150, the store sells it for 300. Mm. He sells it for 150 to the store. They sell it for, or he sells it for 300 to the store because he got it for 150 and then they sell it for 600. Yep. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot to be said about quality. Yeah, I mean, I personally uh, don't like cheap things. <laughs> personally, uh, you, know, uh, you know, I mean, sure, there's a place for it if you're financially in that position. But uh, at some point, it's nice to have nice things. There's no doubt about it. And things that last. You know, I always joke with my mm -hmm. wife. We got married in 2007 and we went to... We went to the Maldives for a honeymoon, but we stopped in Singapore and we just gave ourselves a little bit of money to buy, an, to buy some stuff for shopping. Um, and I bought one item for my money and she went to the markets and bought 733 things for a dollar each, right? And, 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 and up till last year, I was still using my one product for 2007 and her items, her big bags and stuff lasted like 14 days before you pull a thread and the whole thing comes off. So. Um, you know, there's like quality is quality and, and it certainly lasts longer. 
So, uh, you know, I think that's incredible. How many team now do you have across the company or across the group? Uh, we're a little over 200 now. Cool. So one of the things we did was we had uh, one point up to 500 um, during COVID. Uh, that was interesting. Uh, but normally we, we stayed at around 300. Um, one, this is interesting. This is, that's a great question. So uh, the, over the last year and a half, we've dropped about 100 people. And we haven't replaced them. And we're still doing great. So that makes me think that like, how much money have I been wasting all this time? And, um, and that's just lazy leadership on my part. It, or, or did you find some efficiencies? Nope. We just hired too many people. <laughs> okay. so that was a lazy leadership. I was, I allowed lazy leadership. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was too busy having fun in my, my strike zone, which is designing and marketing and, um, and then leading spiritually. Yeah. And I was just really enjoying that. But the business part of it, uh, I got a big fat F for, for my, <laughs> for my uh, part of that. Okay. And it's really interesting. I was, we were, uh, you know, a lot of, as far as kingdom businesses go, people go, well, I want to have a business so I can give away a lot of money. And I want to uh, further ministry. I want to give to the kingdom. I want, that's why I want a business. And, um, but in order for that to happen, the bottom line is you have to make money. Yes. Otherwise you're being, a, being irresponsible with what God gave you. Like he gave you five talents and you went and buried them, you know? Um, and so you still have time. Jesus hasn't come back. The master hasn't come back yet to be responsible with what he, with what he entrusted you with. Mm. And so, uh, what, Someone recently brought up was, he said, Dave, this guy who ran a $12 billion business and he retired recently. And so he's a friend of ours. And he said, I said, Steve, we could really use your help. I mean, really use your help. He goes, okay, let's, let's, let me look at the books, profit and loss statement, all that sort of thing, all your sales and all your expenses and then your profit. You know, the on top line is revenue, all your total sales. And then underneath that, he goes, Dave, it's really simple. Sales minus costs equals revenue. He said, or, um, or uh, sales minus, minus your profit equals all of your costs. You look at it that way. See, it's real basic. So he said, the goal is of every business is to make as much money as you possibly can. Well, you know, ethically. Hmm. And then with that, sponsor missionaries, buy a herd of cows, adopt some orphans, you know, something, you know, go start a, a school or something, share the gospel, buy tracks, send Bibles out to, around the world. But if you don't have any money, then you're not being very responsible with your business. So we started going through costs and he said, your number one cost is, um, is payroll mm -hmm. and payroll related expenses. He said, if you can save 1% there, well, that's better than saving like, 50% on office supplies. Yep. How about, and then he said, number two, biggest expense is your materials, leather. And he said, leather, you can negotiate the price down 10% or whatever, or you can cut better with that leather and, and get better yield out of the hive. And then he just went down the list. And so he had to start working on it. And, and I realized we had way too many people. We had given people a job too long and really nice people too, good people. Um, so anyway, he helped us to drop, you know, if we kept the sales the same and dropped our costs, we have more profit and hopefully we do raise sales and lower costs. And then you have a whole lot more profit. So, but here's the thing. That's the, the bottom line of a business is profit yeah. period. Yeah. What you do with it's a whole other story. The bottom line of a Christian and now, and now that's by the way, Profit is for non-Christian kingdom, non-kingdom, atheist, bottom line, profit. The bottom line for a believer is souls reconciled to God. Mm -hmm. How many people, how many people became believers and that God used us for that? That's the, you know, when my wife and I are fighting, because we've been, we got married in 2006, we've had some good fights. Okay. <laughs> we've had some really good fights. And 
uh, I'll turn to her and I'll look over my shoulder and I'll go, you know what? She's such a jerk. And then she'll look over her shoulder and she'll look at me and go, he's a jerk, you know? And maybe the kids or some friends, her sister says, you know, you two should reconcile. You guys, your, your relationship's not right. And so uh, we do. So we want to make it right. Well, as Christians, our number one job in our business, in our personal life, everywhere we go is to help people to reconcile with God. Jesus started it, and then he gave us his spirit to keep it going, the ministry of reconciliation. And so my business is 100% focused on that. And, and, and that's also from me as the leader of the business. And so I've got too much, I have, I have too little time to waste my life so that I can retire and collect seashells until I die or something. My job on earth is to know God and then help other people to believe that too. Love it. So, so at work, here's what I do. I tell people the great story. And I, I don't use the word gospel very much because a lot of people really complicated that. It's, it's in a U shape. And I tell my Christian employees, I tell them that, and I tell the non-Christians, I tell them all the time, hey, I heard this great story. Check it out. It's seriously changed my life. And I've already told you before, but I'll tell you again, it's worth repeating, uh, that God himself came to earth and he died on the cross to pay for my sins so that I wouldn't have to pay for them. And then guess what? God raised him from the dead. Isn't that a great ending? That's a great story. So it's that you, he came down and he went across and he went up. That's the story. Love it. That's, that's it. That's the gospel. Yeah. And so, so I have to be responsible telling that story and then helping my employees to tell that story because Jesus didn't come to make Rome a nicer place to live. He came to win the loss, to reconcile God and man, and he told us to go do it. Yeah. So that's what I do. Love it. That's the key to that's the key to business. So there's a there's a pure evangelist in there, just wrapped up as an entrepreneur, clearly. Um, so, uh, but I want to go back to right. So you set this business up so that you could be an evangelist and serve people and help them, and pull them out of poverty, and give them a home and trade. And now you've got to turn around and sack a heap of them. So how was that? How what was that like for you to? Because you're basically going against the very core philosophy that you started the business out with. Um. Well. I realized we weren't, I wasn't being responsible and I was being lazy. So just hire people instead of figure out how to do it with the people I had or figure out how to lead better, figure out that to get, how to get the people around me who knew how to do that. I just hired nice, fun people and extra people to do things. And because I didn't know, I didn't know how. And instead of, so instead of digging in and figuring that out, I, I did that. And so I feel like, um, I gave them a job for a long time, and but firing people is the worst. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's terrible because you become friends with people. Yeah, we had this one single mother, and she, she, someone, our HR gal, you know, had told her she had to go, and and she looked at me, and she goes, "Are you kidding me? I'm a single mother." What am I supposed to do? This is horrible. And she started bawling. And I was like, it was, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. But we never should have hired her in the first place. She yeah. got a job for like eight months and that she was really blessed to have. Yeah. And she got saved. Yeah. So, but anyway, it was just, uh, it was, it's really hard. Yeah. But that's, that's what you, that's what you get for being lazy. Yeah. I, I think, um, it's, I think when businesses get to that 100, 150 people mark, they, they can very easily become bureaucratic, right? You know, like our government system where it's just, it's just people for the sake of people in the end, right? And, and a lot of creativity falls because the demands are massive. And so, it, you know, it's like, well, I need more people on team. Okay, just fix it, just fix it. And then you blow out and then it's, it's pretty normal for a business to then go, hang on a minute, like if we just got the performers to be 20% better, we could cut 20% of the team or whatever and, and, and figure it out. So I don't know that it's, it could be lazy because I wasn't there to witness what you did on a daily basis, but actually I think it's a focus issue. It's like, 
It's like I'm, I'm, I'm ch I can only do so much. I'm chasing this, and then that kind of gets neglected. Maybe not lazy, but just maybe not as much oversight as as it as it probably needed. But I've I find that um, it's hard to grow revenue and profit at the same time. You normally have to move the needle on revenue, and then go. Okay, I'm going to turn my attention to profitability, and then turn my attention back to revenue, and then turn it to profitability. Um, until you become a big business, then you can have departments for everything. But, you know, I think the way that you did it sounds fairly normal for a fast growing business that has lots of demands. Well, well, you know, this is interesting. Um, I'm, I, maybe I'm a little odd here, but I don't care if I grow. Like, I really like it, what I'm doing. I, mm -hmm. I, I enjoy it. Mm. I have a lot of fun. We get a, we have all the money that we want to go do whatever we can help people. We, we have people getting saved. Um, and uh, I enjoy it. And so why would I want to mess all that up? <laughs> and so I've only got one, my, my wife and my kids, my family is my number one ministry. And if I have that any other way, I'm working so much to impress people with how hard I work and what a, and I'm going to prove to you that I can have that little red bicycle like everyone said I couldn't when I was little. Uh, whatever it is, and I'm going to be a workaholic or I'm going to be gone from all, because I've got to grow this business. Don't you understand? Meanwhile, the worth of the self-worth of my kids, they're wondering what their self is worth. And my wife, and here I'm feeling pretty good about myself, everyone worshiping and praising me. Um, I think they call that pride too. And so um, I get to spend a lot of time with my family and um, and I'm home for dinner and I really like it. So I, I don't really, but it's the, here's what I'm after. This is interesting. I was, uh, I, in the morning I read my Bible and I'm finishing up Isaiah right now. By the way, if you haven't read Isaiah lately, it's really rich with the attributes of God. But I was, um, I was, um, in the evenings, I read old books, kind of like sit-ups for your head, John Milton and all these really boring people. I'm reading, so I was reading Cicero the other day, and um, man, it's kind of hard to understand, but he did this one uh, treatise called um, On Old Age, and he said that the great affairs of life are not are not accomplished through feats of strength and nimbleness of body, um, activity, the great things in life. And this, this is spiritual too. The great things, the great affairs of spiritual life are affected through deliberation, character, and sharing of opinion. And so uh, the thing that a business owner has is your influence. God has, a, you have a sphere of influence around you that a lot of people don't have and and so as a as an entrepreneur and as a business owner we have more of a of a, a a bigger stage we have a bigger megaphone a bigger microphone to, to and a bigger audience and so i'm after the i'm after the um influence yeah to be able to share you guys don't miss this tell the great story mm -hmm. tell the great story tell the great story reconcile help reconcile god to man and be in the word. Mm -hmm. And so as a business owner, um, that's what I'm after is that influence so that, and so we create beautiful things, high quality, and we do fun marketing and, uh, and then people, we have more of an audience for people to listen to us when we tell those stories. Love it. Love it. That's the, that's the true spirit of a kingdom entrepreneur is that, you know, family and influence before the money. I mean, the money's an essential element really to pay the bills and keep investing, but it's, uh, it's never the priority. And the minute it becomes that, you, you're already in trouble. Um, and and you, carry, you carry an incredible amount of peace uh, just in the way that you communicate. Um, you know, uh, you know in, in the bit that I researched with you and our time on this call, it's like, I feel like you probably have never strived a day in your life. I mean, I'm, I could be wrong, but you just, there's just this, there just seems to be just such a natural grace to the way that you operate. And, uh, and I think it's beautiful and attractive to, to, to be able to operate that way. 
Um, and, uh, and, you know, and one of the reasons why I host this show is, sure, the listeners can listen to our conversation, but it's just because I get to speak to cool people is primarily why I, why I do it. Um, so, uh, so having said all of that, right, you know, I've got one final question for you, and it is, you know, th there's people watching this or listening to this right now, um, and it's challenging for them, right? You know, they're, they, they're not getting any breakthrough with their marketing or, you know, they've got, they got some team challenges or the products are letting them down. Uh, the second guess and everything, cash flow challenges. What would you say to those people right now who are, who are, who are facing a, a bit of an uphill battle? Yeah, I would say, um, though I got a few things, but first, that was very kind of you to say, and I really do appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I would say, um, get rid of your smartphone. Uh, I'm too busy to have a smartphone. It's too distracting. And there, there are, um, it, it killed my attention span. So I got this little thing right here, little, called a light phone. And it's just call and text only. It is marvelous. It changed <laughs> my life back. Yeah. It is so great. I can't, I can't even get my head around that, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I still check the news and sports and all of that sort of thing, you know, but I'm not like, and I don't, I'm not refreshing to see if I have a new email or if there's a new story um, in line somewhere. But also when our mind is, um, is slow, it um, is bored, it solves problems. And so, and there are a lot of other reasons. Uh, so my Bible reading, so the reason, the main reason for that is uh, it, it is our responsibility to focus on our relationship personally with God, to get to know him better. And then, and then all of these tactics and ideas and, and, and different things, he brings people around us and success in marketing. And all of a sudden, some big famous person is out of nowhere, posts something on Instagram about your stuff or posts, does something somewhere and buys 550 of this or that. And you go, what just happened? It's because God said, hey, here's a, um, you know, we focus on our relationship with God and then he brings, and we, we, we work in that. And then he, um, he does the rest. He, he gives us ideas. He gives us people. He gives us finances. He does these things. And so uh, maybe is that we're working too hard and that maybe we need to slow down get rid of our stupid smartphones. Sorry if I said that with a little bit of anger in my, my voice. Um, so that we can read more of the Bible and we can talk more with God because our my attention span got down to where I could read a chapter max and I could only say like 10, 15 second short prayers because I was so conditioned with my phone. And it was hurting my marriage and it was hurting my parenting. Uh, success starts at home. So... Um, so, you know, temptation, uh, that's a big temptation to just to waste. If, if the devil can't make you sin, he can, he'll make you busy. Mm. And that's with your phone. So anyway, work on your relationship with God first. And then, and then here's the other one. You got a minute? Yeah. <laughs> okay, this is, okay, this is a good one. Okay, here, let me, let me adjust myself here to tell you this. So in 2018, my uh, one of my employees, Christian guy, real nice guy, and he called me into my office and we shut the door and he said, hey, I just got to tell you something. You're a really prideful man. And I just had to tell you that as a brother. And I go, oh, um, wow, Gene, that's, a, that's big of you. I really <laughs> appreciate it. I know it's difficult, you know, and um, you're fired. No, not really. I didn't, <laughs> didn't do that. But I said, um, well, like in what way? Because I don't want that because God resists people who are prideful. But he gives grace or, you know, or things that we didn't deserve or earn. Um, he gives those things to, the, to humble people. But to prideful people, he resists them. He puts his palm in their forehead, you know. And it's just you walk around with God's palm in your forehead. And you're like, why is, why is life so hard? Why, is, why does, don't my marketing efforts work? Why do people keep stealing from me? Why does all this stuff happen? It's because God's resisting you, maybe. And so I was like, well, like in what way? And he goes, I don't know, just in general. And I go, <laughs> just everywhere. <laughs> I said, I don't want that. So I need to have some examples. And he goes, no, just in general. 
And so I go back home and I told my wife, I said, hey, honey, guess what? Jean said that I'm a really prideful man. And, and that's, and she, she goes, oh, he's just jealous or something. And you're, he said, she said, you're one of the most humble men that I know. And I thought, you know, I'm not bragging about everything and look how great I am or anything like that. I don't go on and on about whatever. And so later that week, I was listening to a book on, on an audio book driving into work. And it was called The, the Ideal Team Player. Um, and he said, you know, watch out for the people at work who are prideful. They're the worst. They're the worst person to have on your team. He said, uh, you want humble people, but the prideful people, watch out, they're disguised because they're really helpful, maybe really good workers. They're smiley and friendly. They just put their head down, stay quiet, maybe sometimes, but they're the worst people to have on the team because they're full of pride. And I thought, well, man, maybe I don't have a good definition of what pride is. So I Googled it. I, was, I Googled signs of pride list. And if you Google that, you'll see my signs of pride list. And so I, I, uh, I looked at it, a few lists from, man, Psychology Today, Wikipedia, you know, Rick Warren, everyone. And sure enough, I was all over the lists. And there are different forms of it. Maybe, I don't know, 22 different forms of pride you could, you could have. Imagine 22 jars filled up with, you know, on the table in a row and, some have water in there, pride, and some are really dry. So you might be really humble in 16 areas that you could be prideful. And, and then two are, you know, medium pride and one's kind of high. And then two are just like overfilling, just like flowing over with pride. And, and that needs, to, like my spiritual pride was a big one. So, so I came and read my list to my wife and I said, honey, look. I found like six or seven things that I was pretty prideful in. And, and I said, honey, I didn't know this was pride. And so, and I re read them to her and she goes, ha, 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 you are prideful. <laughs> I didn't know that's what pride was. Ha, oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, I'll pray for you, sure. And I go, no, like that's only what, all we can do when we see it coming up. I'm aware of it now. And if I see it coming up, then I can, then I can, um, you know, like, at least plead for God. God, please don't let me be like that. Please don't let me say what I'm about to. Oh, I just said it. Dang it. <laughs> to, to get praised or worshiped, um, to impress people. And, but speaking what's true, if you get an award, say it, but don't lead with it. Hey, do you know I got this award for? <laughs> so she said that she'd pray for me. And I said, oh, honey, oh, I got a, there were a few other things on the list, which were hers. And so, so she said, Oh no, I didn't know that's what pride was. And I said, yeah, I didn't know that either, but I'll pray for you. Let's pray for each other that we won't be prideful. And, and that when we are prideful, cause it never goes away. And every single person is, um, that it won't last long and that we'll be remorseful that it'll bother us when we are prideful. And so, um, God's been working on our pride. That was five years ago, a little over five years ago. And it changed my marriage, mm -hmm. changed my business. Uh, it wasn't overnight, but God stopped resisting me. And he, he stopped because, you know, if you don't work on it, if you don't have God working on you, then he's going to humiliate you. Or in, in other words, uh, bring about humility. Yeah. The process of, of getting humility is humiliation. Mm -hmm. And so, and you're going to fall flat on your face. Your business is going to fail. Um, your spouse is going to cheat on you. You're going to cheat on your spouse. Something's going to happen. Um, but he'll bring prideful people who are very self-oriented all around you because that's the way you are. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you just want yourself to feel good above the self of your kids, your spouse, your employees. You want to impress people with yourself, with how hard you work, with how intelligent you are. Um, that kind of thing. So that was a big, huge thing for me. And if you want to look at that, uh, if you just Google signs of pride list and you'll see right there at the top, I don't know in Australia or other places, but in the U S or saddlebackleather.com slash pride. Oh, good. And 
And, uh, and that really changed my business and it changed me and it changed my marriage and it wasn't quick. Um, but it really helped me a ton to work on trying to be humble, but it's a struggle mm. and, uh, in different categories and spiritual pride. And anyway, I just listed it every, what everyone else wrote on their list. And I just mm. put it in one, condensed it and put it in one place. That's wonderful. And, uh, and we'll, we'll put up a, We'll put up a banner to get people to go to that link uh, because I reckon everybody should go to the shop anyway and just check out your products, saddlebackleather.com, um, and, uh, and that'd be cool. Uh, that's, that's an amazing uh, kind of way to wrap this up. You're, you're, very, you're very vulnerable, uh, but, but also you're calling us to a higher standard, which is, which is just wonderful, and I guess the whole reason why we put these shows on. Um, Thank you so much for your time. That's a, you're a real blessing. You know, we've we've ha we've had a whole bunch of different people over the years, and you've certainly brought an edge that's different to a lot of people and beautiful at the same time. So really appreciate that about you and your wife and and the kids and the story and the business and the staff. Uh, and we we pray that uh, the you know that it continues to grow and it multiplies, and so does your influence and and uh, and that your products last many 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 generations. Oh, well, thank you very much. Can I, can I say one last thing? Mm. I, you, have to, you have to let me because I asked. So it'd be weird if you didn't. Well, we can always edit it out. So we have the final say. Just, just, just kidding. <laughs> no, so uh, just a, a little reminder. Uh, the man on the cross, there's a video I saw not long ago. And like the thief on the cross, one of them didn't go to heaven. One did. They both believed Jesus was there. And one said, will you let me in your kingdom? Or I'll, you know your kingdom and he believed who jesus was and jesus said hey thief i'll see you later I'll see you later today in paradise and so i can imagine he's up in heaven and the angel goes how did you get here <laughs> and he goes i don't know i was just hanging there on the cross and the next thing you know here i am and they and i, I don't know well tell me were you baptized were you a member of a church um no no um and then the angel supervisor comes in well what about the doctrine of justification by faith never heard of it inerrancy of scripture nope don't know what you're talking about um then how'd you get here and he said well the man on the middle cross said that i could come <laughs> and our job is to tell the story that god came to earth who he is and if people believe that story then we baptize them and then we teach them all about grace and faith and how to know what God's like and all of that sort of thing. So um, that is it. Tell the story. We can tell it in seven seconds. You can expand out if you want, but tell the story. And if people believe it, then they they get then they go to heaven. And, it's just, and they didn't have John three sixteen and all those verses when Jesus said, "Go out and do the, go out and make disciples." They didn't have Christians then either. They go and tell the story and then if they believe it baptize them and then, and then teach them well evangelist dave you are a blessing and uh hopefully our paths cross again at some point and uh i really appreciate everything you've poured into me and us as part of the kingdom business podcast well, guests, uh, over to you. Uh, we covered a fair bit of ground. Dave dropped some real bombs there. So my question for you is, what's the number one thing that jumped out to you during this episode? Do me a favor and put it in the comments because I want the feedback loop of what is popping for you. Dave, bless your heaps as you continue to expand.